Well, in order to help us better understand this one verse today, it's, it's always wise to look at the context around it, and in particular, today, the entire book of Hebrews. Uh, you never want to go to the Bible and pull one verse out and say, here, you want to look at everything around it, because everything around it, beginning and after, in particular, the whole book affects everything that's going on in there. So in order to better understand this verse, we need to talk a little bit about the book of Hebrews. The theme for the book of Hebrews is keep moving forward in the faith. That's what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He's telling us all through the book of Hebrews that Jesus is better. Keep moving forward in the faith. Remember that. Keep moving forward in the faith. Hebrew Christians had trusted in Jesus and they were being tempted quite possibly by Family pressure, persecution, peer pressure to turn back from the faith. What's the theme? Keep moving forward. These Christians, like all of us, were being tempted by a lot of things to to fall back from the faith. So, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the writer of Hebrews urges the Christians not to turn back, but to keep doing what? Moving forward in the faith. Jesus is better, he's saying. He says that numerous times. Jesus is better. Why would you go back to your former life? Why would you do that? Keep moving forward. Jesus is better. In the church, born again members move forward together. I think we've understood that over the last several weeks in looking through the the covenant and several other New Testament letters. In the church, born-again members move forward together. There's, there's a mutual bond. There's a mutual encouragement to move forward together in the faith as a body of believers. We don't do this on our own. We, we do it together. And in the body, in the church, there have to be people who lead. Moving forward in anything in life, and in particular in the church, there has to be spiritual leadership. In chapter 13, verse 17, there's a simple command. Simple, yet hard to swallow because of two words. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls <coughs> as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, And not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Healthy churches, healthy covenant communities don't just happen. Healthy churches require that both leaders and members fulfill their responsibilities. The New Testament's clear, and it's teaching that a local church should have leaders, and those leaders are the pastors. This is very important for us to see. Uh, we're, we're Baptists by conviction, right? We're Baptists. And we are Americans. At least uh, I'm going to, hopefully I don't assume wrongly, most of us in here, if you're not, uh, I don't mean anything toward you if you're not an American today. We're Baptists by conviction and Americans by the providence of God. Americans, like most humans, have a love for individualism. And don't like be told to obey or to submit to anyone. Those words rub you the wrong way. It's okay to nod your head and say, yeah, they rub me the wrong way. They rub me the wrong way sometimes. 
We don't like being told to obey or submit to anyone. A Baptist, we believe in the biblical doctrine of the priesthood of the believers. So we Baptist Americans have a tendency to be extremely suspicious about leadership and this call for submission. And for that reason, it's important that we look to the Bible at passages like Hebrews 13, 17. Now I know, I knew this was coming. And as your pastor, I dreaded it. Alright? But there's something bigger going on here in verse 17 that you do not need to miss without focusing on one thing. And we're going to talk about this verse in, in three different ways here, three different points. So you see your main idea... instructions concerning the responsibility of leaders toward the church. Don't miss that. This is not just about the church members. This is about the leaders. Instructions concerning the responsibility of leaders toward the church and the church's responsibility toward leadership. You see that? Responsibility on both ends. The leaders, the pastors, their responsibility of the church and the church's responsibility toward leadership. So, verse 17. We're going to break this thing down in three places, three different points. First, pastors are God's appointed means for spiritual leadership and the church is to submit to them in that care. Notice the last word of that point. Care. Pastors are God's appointed means for spiritual leadership And the church is to submit to them in that care. A church should be extremely, because of this verse, a church should be extremely careful when they call a man to be their pastor. If you're commanded by Scripture to obey and submit, you had better be careful who you call to be your pastor. Right? It's just like getting married. Okay? If a wife is to submit to her husband, and by the way, that's in the Bible. We've talked about that before. If you've forgotten, you don't know what I, where I'm at, then you come see me, but I think I'll clear this up for you right here right quick. If a wife is to submit to her husband, she had better be careful who she marries. Right? Men, don't check out here. She had better be careful that the man she chooses to marry is a man she can trust. She needs to know that he would lay down his life for her. That he would put her needs before his own. He cares more about what happens to her than what happens to himself. And by the way, that's, that's, that's biblical leading the home, men. You're a servant leader. You're not the dictator. This is what you are to do. Now, it's easy... Ladies, to submit to a man who loves you that way, right? Maybe some of you are going, I don't know. You're still using that word submit. I just have a hard time going there. You can trust that man, right? If this is the way this man treats you. You can follow that man. You can submit to that man because you know he's always looking out for you. It's the same way when a church calls a pastor or pastors, when a church calls its leaders. Some of you hear verse 17 and you say, man, that's, boy, that's hard. You you know, I'm just not a very submissive person. That's just not who I am. 
but it's who you and I ought to be. Everybody, every Christian. This isn't an option. It's not a recommendation. Everyone is called to submit in the Christian life. Everybody submits to somebody, right? This is yes. Nod your head. Everybody submits to somebody. Some of you parents are going, yes. Let me... I struggled this week. You just you have no idea when I, when I read this verse and began to study it, I was thinking, what have I got myself into? If you can't do this, then here are some options. If you can't submit, not just to leaders, but every Christian submitting as the Bible calls us to, then there are some options for us. And I apply this to my own life, okay? Did you hear that? When you leave today... The preacher said this applies to his life as well as it does to mine. If you can't submit, then there's some options. One is to repent. It doesn't matter to you what God's Word says. When you say, I can't be submissive, if that's your attitude, then you just need to repent. I need to do that. If that's my attitude, I need to repent. If you believe, second, your option, option one is to repent. Your second option, if you believe that you can't trust your leaders, if you feel that way, then your option is to remove the untrustworthy leader. If you can't trust me, then you need to get rid of me. I said that. I've said that before at the church I served before. Me and the other pastors are there. If you can't trust us, then you need to find someone you can't. I don't say that as being a wise guy. I say that as what the Bible says. If you have an untrustworthy leader, remember what I said in the beginning? You need to be careful who you call as your pastors. You need to have someone you can trust. If chapter 13, verse 17 is a command, then it's necessary uh, that you be in a church where you do trust the leader, where you do believe he's faithful to the Word of God. And I'll, I'll go as far as to say, if you and the majority of the congregation think the pastors are not trustworthy... Again, they need to go. If they can't be trusted, if they don't live by the Word of God, if they don't preach the Word of God, if He doesn't lead according to the Word of God, then He shouldn't be your pastor. Then you need to find someone else. Now, let's look at the verse, okay? I want to talk about what obey and submit means, alright? Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, if you have a King James or a New King James, there's a difference. It says, obey them that have the... Rule over you. Boy, that's another word we don't like. Rule. That's in the King James and the New King James. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves to them. Just to relieve your tensions and your anxieties here, the word rule means to lead. Alright? That's what that means. Those who lead you. It means to lead. The command is to obey and submit to those who lead you. Obey and submit to those who... Lead the church. Now, first, who are the leaders? You, you notice it says there, obey your leaders. He says to obey and submit to your leaders. What's on the end of that word leader? An S, which is what? Come on, you, you haven't been out of school any longer than I have. That's plural, right? All churches that we read about in the New Testament were led by multiple pastors. Not just one. Hebrews 13 17 does not say obey your leader, but obey your leaders. There's no support in the Bible for the model of one man overseeing the ministry of the local church. 
you're saying, well, I know some who do. Well, you shouldn't have multiple pastors in order just to have them. You need to have qualified pastors. If all you got is one, then that's all you need to have. And that's why it's important to equip and train and raise up other men in the church who will come along and fulfill that gap. Now I know that surprises us. The responsibilities of shepherding God's people. Here's why I say that. The responsibilities of shepherding God's people, and we're going to see that in just a second, are far too great for one man to do it on his own. When we get there, you're going to go, yeah, I think one man would have a problem doing that. Church leadership is a team effort, not the sole responsibility of one man. So what then does obey your leaders and submit to them mean? That word obey means to be persuaded by, to trust, to rely on. It means to be persuaded by, to trust, or to rely on. Obey is what you do when you trust somebody. Moms and dads, children, children obey you when they what? They, they know you, they can trust you. The word obey encourages a good relationship of trust and also calls for the people to follow their leaders. Trust your leaders. Follow them. And that word submit, which is the word we, uh, along with obey, that we don't like, it actually comes from a word in the original language, which is two words. It's made up of two words. It means under and to yield or surrender to. To be under or yield to surrender to. A congregation should have a bent toward trusting its leaders. You should... Have an outlook to be supportive in your attitudes and actions toward your leader's goals and directions. Actually, in verse 7, as we read that earlier, you should want to imitate their faith. And you should have the tendency to want to follow their direction. That's, what, that's what's being said here. Remember, what's the theme of Hebrews? Keep moving forward. What's the leaders do? Come on, church. Let's go. Let's keep moving forward. That's what your leaders do. Follow, obey, submit to them in that leading. Uh, I'm well aware, you know, that this particular verse causes some of us uh, a great deal of angst. But, but let me offer this to you, okay? Parents, are you listening? Do you want your children to obey and submit? It's okay. Go ahead and nod your head. It's biblical. You want that? It's biblical to want your parents? Why? Why do you want that? Because it's biblical. The Bible says uh, you are the God-ordained leader of the home. That's why you are in the role that you're in. And that's why your children submit and obey you. Husbands, do you like the part of the Bible that says your wives are to submit to you being the leader in the home? And some of you are going, don't ask me that question. I can't answer it except here. Remember how I earlier explained the submission between the husband and the wife. You see, obedience and submission are a normal part of the Christian life. And when some Christians are called to obey others, they're not being asked to do something that all Christians are not asked to do. We are all asked to do that. As sinful human beings, including myself, our flesh resists authority, right? We don't like authority. We live in a day where believers... Stress, independence, and individualism. We, we become so absorbed in the way of, that way of thinking that we fail to recognize the leadership that God has established. You see, our world is that way, right? 
Just stop and think about our world in the last two years after the last presidential election. Man, if we don't like it, what? I don't like it. I'll just, I'll just, I won't submit. I won't obey the authorities anymore. I'll kill policemen. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm not saying the church has reached that, but that's the attitude that kind of overflows into the church. To ignore church leaders that are rebel against their authority is to, is to, to lead, is to despise the one who has appointed them. To ignore church leaders or to rebel against their authority, to lead is to despise the one who has put them in that position. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, make yourself a note and listen. We see that God is the one who appoints pastors, elders as leaders in the church. Listen to this verse. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. He's talking to the leaders. He's talking to the pastors here, the elders. Take heed to yourselves, watch yourselves, and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Who put pastors in positions of being overseers of the church? Did they do it? No, God did it. And when you ignore church leadership and you rebel against that authority, you are rebelling against the one who's appointed them and put them in that position. Obeying and submitting to church leaders is, in reality, is submitting to God. The church has a responsibility of obeying the teaching. And by teaching, I mean the Word of God. If He's not teaching the Word of God, are you listening? You have no reason to follow Him if He doesn't teach the Word of God. The church has a responsibility of obeying the teaching of their leaders and submitting to their leadership. And I'll say this, this is not done out of duty to the pastors. Did you hear what I said? It's not done out of duty to me, it's done out of duty to who? God. It's done out of duty to God because pastors lead in the place of Jesus. They are the under-shepherds of the chief shepherd who is Jesus. That's not my idea. I would have never come up with that idea that I'm the chief shepherd under the... I'm the under-shepherd, under the chief shepherd. That's what the Bible says. So, a practical way of looking at this. Which decisions should pastors be trusted to make? And what decisions should the church obey and submit? And what decisions should the church trust its pastors and its leaders to make? Right? That's what the word obey and submit means, right? I'm going to trust. What's the theme of Hebrews church? Moving forward. And God gave leaders to the church to help them do what? Move forward. Keep the faith. And what decisions should the church trust its pastors? Now here's what, you're going to like this. Ultimately, I think that decision is left up to the congregation. But the place where I suggest it would be most benefit to trusting your pastors is in matters that require their wisdom and knowledge of the Scriptures. Example. It's wise to trust your pastors to determine the next book of the Bible that will be studied on Sunday mornings. Or the best Sunday school curriculum to select for all of our classes. They should be trusted to guide the selection of Sunday school teachers, the appointing of deacons and other leaders. They should be trusted to give direction in areas such as children and youth ministry, music, and other areas that affect our worship on Sunday mornings, as well as the mission of the church to reach the lost and make disciples. What's the theme of Hebrews? Move forward. Leaders help the church move forward. Entrust 
Instructing these kind of decisions to the pastors is just the reason the church selects them in the first place. But even decisions, listen, but even in decisions in which the congregation as a whole will vote, it's, it's wise to listen to your pastors and take their recommendations into careful consideration. Now before uh, we move on, I, I wanted to make it clear that pastors, and this is not what I'm saying, if you haven't heard anything I said, you need to listen now, okay? Pastors do not rule the church in the sense that they, rather than the congregation, serve as the final human authority in the matters that I've just mentioned. So who has the final say-so? Go ahead. We do. The church does. But you are to trust and follow your leaders in so much as they don't lead you away from the Scriptures. And yet, pastors still exercise leadership within the church as long as they don't violate Scripture. Their leadership should be followed, but they don't replace the congregation as the final authority. The church should be pastor-led, but congregational ruled. You need to mark that down. Write that down. The church should be pastor-led, but congregational what? Where did I put the word ruled at? With the congregation, right? As a pastor, including myself... I'm not to look at this verse and have a sense of being superior. Okay? Instead, I should think Jesus has placed me in this church to lead God's people in His place. What an unbelievable responsibility to be in. I think every man of God ought to realize that responsibility is a weighty, sobering responsibility. I don't wake up every day thinking the church must obey and submit to me as one of its pastors. Instead, I wake up and feel the weight, the heavy responsibility of being a leader. And I do so because of what we see next in verse 17. Pastors are called to protective watchfulness and they will give an account to God of their leadership. That's what gives me problems. That's what keeps me awake. Obey your leaders and submit to them for or because, notice here, they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. The reason why you humbly receive and follow the biblical teaching of your leaders and you show respect to them and follow their godly leadership is because they are called to a protective watchfulness over your soul. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want the responsibility of protecting other people's souls? The words keeping watch means, are you ready? To keep oneself awake. That's what that means. Which means to keep watch, to guard, or care for. The idea comes from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2. You know what's going on there? The shepherds are out in the field, and what does it say about them? The shepherds are doing what? Keeping watch over their flocks by... Night. It's a picture of shepherds staying alert in order to guard their flocks from predators. See, shepherds, they had to know the sheep and observe them carefully. Observe them carefully enough to know when a sheep was sick or missing. And they had to go after the strays and try to restore them to the flock. 
See, this, this task requires the discernment to know where people are at spiritually and when they're heading toward danger. Leaders must love God and people enough to have the courage to deal with those who are drifting or those who fall away. Watching over their souls. And I'll say, although you can only lead those who are willing to be led, godly leaders must always make the effort to go after those. And they shouldn't be hindered from going after those who are drifting or falling away. Notice it says they keep watch over souls. What a task. That, that's one reason why there, there's to be more than one pastor, as I said before. What a task to keep watch over all your souls. You're thinking, man, I have trouble with my own, much less everybody else's. And still, listen, the responsibility of watching over souls does not fall only on church leaders. Did you hear that? Every spiritually mature believer is responsible to help restore those who are caught in a trespass and bear one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. I'm responsible, but who else is responsible? All the church. Remember, what's Hebrews say? Keep moving forward. What's the leaders do? Let's keep moving forward. Let's, let's keep moving forward. If you know of someone in the church who's straying from the Lord, but you don't know what to do, Go to your leaders and find out what to do. We all need to work together to care for one another spiritually. And I'll talk more about that next week. Look again at verse 17. It says there that the leaders, the pastors, are accountable to God. All spiritual leaders are watchmen and shepherds. Notice what's going to happen to your pastor one day. He's keeping watch over your souls, but what's going to happen one day? He's going to have to give a what? An account. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. If spiritual leaders, not just pastors here, but Sunday school teachers, deacons, and other leaders fail at their tasks, God's people will be hurt. Knowing that you must give an account to God should greatly affect a leader's quality of spiritual leadership. See, here's what gives me a, a problem. It's not obey and submit that I dwell on. It's watching over your soul and one day having to give an account for that. When God's people understand their leaders must give an account to God, they'll, they'll be much more tolerant and understanding toward the leader's actions and decisions. They'll be more willing to obey and submit to their leaders. That's what... The writer is saying here. Next in verse 17, we see God's people to make their leaders work joy and not grief. The third point, pastors experience joy in seeing God's grace work in the lives of Christians. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls and one day they're going to give an account. Then he says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Isn't that interesting? You church member, you are to aim for your pastor to have joy in their ministry. And not what? Groaning. Because what? That doesn't work for you. I I remember... A particular professor I had in seminary. Uh, 
He was leaving the seminary to go pastor a church. Uh, He didn't stay very long. He came back to the seminary later on. But he went to pastor a church uh, in North Carolina. And I'll kind of leave it at that. And on the day they voted him in, one of the leaders in the church walked up to him and said, My goal is to make your life a living hell while you're the pastor of this church. That's the exact words he said to him. Now, first of all, I would begin to doubt whether that person was even saved or not to say something like that to anybody. But he said it to his pastor. Now, you know how long he stayed after that, right? Not long. Because that man fulfilled his obligation. See, he wasn't what Hebrews 13, 17 says. He caused groaning. And by the way, that was of no advantage to him. And by the way, listen, it was of no advantage to that church because guess what happened to that church? They died. They got down to about eight or nine people and they've had to replant. Someone else is coming in and taking over them and trying to revive that church. God wants you to be mindful of your pastors having joy in ministering to you. I I want to be honest with you. The gospel ministry has joys like nothing else in the world. When you've seen someone, as my dad used to say, lost as a ball in high grass, gloriously transformed and changed by the grace of God, there's nothing like that. There is nothing in the world to see that happen in someone's life. When you see someone have a hunger for the Bible, longing to grow in God's grace, there's nothing like that. When you see people who had relationships that were broken, but because of the gospel, they're able to forgive one another. There's nothing like that in the world. There are joys in being a pastor that I wouldn't trade for anything in this world. I'm not saying what I'm saying because I'm bemoaning what I do. I love what I do. The joys are there. But always in the background, even when you're getting to proclaim the Word of God, and you're saying to yourself, You know, I can't believe I get to do this. In the back of your mind, there's someone that you know who's made shipwreck of their faith and they've fallen away and there's someone who who just won't repent. Those things weigh heavy upon a pastor. When God's people disobey, complain, don't want to follow their leaders, there's no joy in shepherding. He says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Pastors sorrow over those who refuse to grow, learn, change, or refuse to follow But don't miss something here. I think I've already said this. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Notice what it says. For that would be of no advantage to you. Your submission in the Christian life is important for your well-being and for the well-being of those who lead you. It's not just to the pastor's advantage, but whose advantage is it to? Yours. Refusing to follow your leaders has even more serious impact on you. Failing to follow, notice what it says, is no advantage to you. I I really think most church members fail to realize that their welfare, the welfare of the church, is tied to the quality of their response to their leaders. Most people don't understand that. God is saying, make your ongoing concern that your leaders have joy in leading you. He says joyful pastors are an advantage to you as a member and to the congregation as a whole. Your your spiritual benefit, the church's spiritual benefit, by God's design, is tied to your pastor's joy. 
in a very real sense, the pastor and the people live together in such a way that they increase one another's joy. That's what we do. Together we do that for one another. Now I want to clarify something here. Because I know we're all human and this runs through our mind. When he talks about obey and submit, this is not what he's talking about. Are you listening? He's not talking about mindless, blind obedience. Instead, it calls for a respectful, submissive spirit. Christians are to be discerning in their hearing of God's Word. They should never accept something as true just because a preacher or leader says it. There, I said it. At the same time, they're to be eager to obey and to submit to authority. Such ought to be a person's first impulse when the leader and the people are right with God. Churches with this attitude will honor God well because all hands will be in step to point the ship in a single direction. And what's the theme of Hebrews Church? Moving forward. So, the reasons to submit to spiritual authority are significant. Number one, God-appointed leaders are fulfilling the high calling of watching over your soul. Two, pastors must answer to God at the judgment seat for their work. Third, believers' obedience will bring joy instead of pain and will work to their own advantage. Four, it will help the church to fulfill its primary mission of reaching people with the gospel and making disciples. So let me finish with this. Here's your application. You've got your handout that I gave out several weeks ago. Here's the application, the proposed covenant. What's the first four words? We will trust God by submitting ourselves to the leaders He has given us who keep watch over our souls as those who will give an account. And we will follow their leadership in as much as they do not lead us contrary to the Scripture. There's one last thing I want to point out to you. After verse 17, what are the first three words of verse 18? Pray for us. Brothers and sisters, this is what it means to be a born-again church member. Let's pray.